Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Let's get right into this week's episode. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Success Leaves Clues. I'm here with my good friend, Ryan McCarty, uh, CEO of Culture of Good. He's doing a lot of phenomenal work in the self-leadership space, those people's coaching, those coaching for good community. Um, he has an event coming up. We're going to talk about that. And I should just talk about life. You know, uh, last year was a little bit different for all of us as professional speakers. But now we're kind of transitioning to uh, the coaching platform and really help organizations build that culture of good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> I think it's an interesting conversation. Is just like, yeah. you know, Indianapolis is kind of like a small sure. community, right? So speakers, kind of similar, similar spaces. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, but we met maybe two years ago. I think, well, last year was a wash, right? Yeah, so I, sure. yeah, it's almost like last year didn't count to any years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't remember yeah. if it was three or two, yeah. but yeah, around a few years ago. Yeah. So the crazy part, um, and we kind of like intermingle, like yeah. your daughter was kind enough to work with us like one yeah. summer as, yeah. as a babysitter name. Yeah. And, um, we had a few conversations, meetings. Um, so really always admire you. Or kind Thank of you, man. You've been able to create. Um, First question, like, 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 who is Ryan McCarty? Like, uh-huh. tell, tell the people, like, who you are. Yeah, thank you for asking that question. That's that's actually a more profound question than most people can answer. Yeah. I am a person that um, is a person of wild curiosity. I love learning. I love culture. I love being able to believe that there's always greater uh, potential in this world and in people and in business than what we've tapped into. So I get really curious around what do we do every single day and why does that really matter? Like, how do we get to the soul of our business? How do we get to the soul of our life? Like, how do we get so deep inside of us that the rest of our life is impacted by how well we know ourselves? So when you're asking like, who is Ryan McCarty? I'm a wildly curious person. (laughs) <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like we talked a little bit about values, how yeah. they work, but you made the distinction of like how they shift and change mm-hmm. over the career of, of, of your life. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that has always been, um, it's always been clear to me. But I think as I get older, the the more I realize that there have been seasons in my life that I've not lived up to my values. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason. And the older I get, the more I realize that my happiness and centeredness and feeling grounded and having healthy relationships and healthy uh, business and just being able to have strong mental health and emotional health all comes down to first knowing what I value in this season of my life. And then also saying, how am I honoring that? How, how am I honoring that in this environment? How am I honoring that in this relationship with Gary Brackett, right? Like, am I able to live up to my values when I'm hanging out with you? And am I living out my values when I'm hanging out with my wife? Am I living my values when I'm hanging out with my kids? What what are those values? And, and am, I, am I changing those for different relationships to fit in with whatever group or person that is? And I think that's vital to what I know now is um, 
if I can be true to myself and honor my values, that's honoring me. I'm honoring myself. And in doing so, I can fully show up in whatever environment I'm in, relationship that I'm in. That's a beautiful thing to do because then you don't have to keep up with all these different images that people have of you. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I heard Lisa Nichols, she's like a a professional woman environment speaker. Yeah. She was like, I like me. Yeah. You're like (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. Do you like you? Yeah. Yeah, like, well, that's a great question. And I would say for many years, um, I don't know if I could truly look back and answer at that season of my life if I really liked myself, you know? And when you don't like yourself, you're going to question whether everybody else does or not. Right. And so you're constantly looking for what's going to get me accepted, what's going to allow me to fit in. And in doing so, many times we dishonor our values, therefore dishonor ourselves, which creates a scenario where, again, we're not happy. We're not fulfilled. We don't have a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. And uh, and yeah, that's that's a shame. But I agree. I do like me. Yeah. Now in in in. Isn't it true though? The older you get, you get you get really comfortable in your own skin, and yeah. you you just don't give a shit anymore. Can I cuss? Part, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, the, the, the crazy part of it is, is like um, it was like a running joke that like uh, old people just say whatever, right? Right. They know that time is short here. They gonna get it off their chest. Yeah. Why don't we do that now? <laughs> well, it's not as accepted, yeah, yeah, right? Like yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah, but it's funny. Like, <laughs> Right, right. Nah. But they really like themselves. Yeah, they're just I mean, at some point that I think that's what we're I think that's what we're doing in life is we are on a journey to come back to ourselves. Mm. Um I was actually gonna look that up. I, I don't have it in my mind, but the hero's journey. Yeah, yeah. No. And I don't know what the step last step of the hero's journey is. But if it's not that, it needs to be added to the hero's journey. No, if um, there's not a returning back to self, that, at the, that's it. it. Is it? It's really returning back to self is like the last one, or not self, like your greatest self, like your purposeful, your hero self. But then the last step is like sharing that and mm. that value. Yeah, yeah. Because I, to your point about liking yourself, knowing your values, I think the deepest fear that people have is the fear of acceptance. Yeah. And they live a lot of place of acceptance. So what would you kind of tell that individual that's not living to their personal values mm. because they fear being accepted or, man, if I showed up as myself or if I created this boundary, then maybe I would have to remove myself from some situation. Well, the, the reality is what it took for you to fit in, mm-hmm. you have to maintain that going forward to stay in. And, and that that is exhausting. That's an exhausting way to live. So when you're talking about acceptance, for me, I lost my mom to suicide when I was six. My dad was a heroin addict. There's a lot of childhood trauma. Uh, my dad remarried within the year and I had a whole new family. So he he got off of drugs, had a brand new family. From the outsider's perspective, that looks great. From a child's perspective, there's a lot of trauma involved in all of those realities. And part of the trauma is where do I belong? Right? Because I my family's gone now. I have a new family. So now I got to fit into this new family. You don't know about fitting in or belonging when you're seven years old. So I'm, I'm fitting into this new family, right? 
and and it created a uh, an understanding in me that in order for me to belong or feel like I'm a part of something, I've got to figure out how to fit in and get accepted. And one of the ways that I did that is through gaining people's admiration. So the family that I, the new family I had was very uh, involved in the church and it was very performance based kind of living like right and wrong. As long as you perform up to this level, you'll be admired. And I learned how to create that scenario around me. So I was always looking for admiration and it was only till about three years ago and like two two years of therapy to realize that what I was doing is I was mistaking admiration for love. I was thinking that when people admired me, they loved me. And, and when people didn't admire me, they didn't. And that, that is so convoluted and mixed up because what I was looking for is acceptance. I was looking for love, but I was finding it in all the wrong places. And that, and that's kind of the idea, right? Is once you know who you are, and you fully live in that when people love you and embrace you, that's where you belong. Man, that's great stuff. Yeah. I think it's so important that more people will take the time to uncover yeah. some of those triggers and traumas of your childhood um, because they create limited beliefs. They create imposter syndrome. They create everything that's kind of holding you back mm-hmm. as an adult to reaching your fulfillment in life. You carry your childhood trauma to this day. Yeah. All of us do. We don't get to we don't get to just say, okay, that inner child and that trauma is gone. Yeah. You you carry childhood trauma throughout your life. And so you have to you have to understand how to live in the context of not saying, okay, that trauma is gonna limit me, but accepting the fact that that did happen and that trauma is still there and we carry it in our physical biological bodies throughout our life. So it impacts our uh, fight or flight response. It impacts our neurological um, system. It, it impacts every aspect of who we are. To to this day, there's still realities of anxiety or things that pop up. I'm like, where'd that come from? And then I remember, oh, that makes sense. You know, that happened to me as a as a child. There's triggers. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this is the story that I told myself about that. Mm-hmm. And we think the stories that we tell ourselves are true. Mm-hmm. They are true because we believe them to be true. Yeah. But there might not actually be facts. Well, there's some truth in it. <laughs> yeah. And and when you're around coaches, teachers, leaders, adults in your life right. that confirm the little bit of truth, you know, by saying something or, you know, putting you in a situation where you had to, you know, live in that in that untruth, then then yeah, it continues to perpetuate those limiting beliefs and that any limiting belief limits your life, right? Yeah. So belief is is really kind of the key. If we're able to change a belief, then we're able to change our life. It's funny, it's a quick story. Um, I know you heard this one, there was like a, a, a dude was on a, a farm uh, in China and um, his son um, found the wild horse. Yeah, yeah. The wild horse back. And then he was like, yeah. the, the, the village people were like, Man, isn't that the greatest thing other? Like your your son found a, a wild horse. He's like, you know, maybe so, maybe not. Yeah. And then he's riding the wild horse. The wild horse throws him off and breaks his arm. Right. Like, isn't that the saddest thing ever? <laughs> the wild horse, maybe so, maybe not. Then the army comes and was like, hey, right. healthy kid has to go off to war. Right. So his son can't go to war because the armor's broke. Like, oh, isn't that the greatest thing ever? 
kids together, right? Right. And it's just like, and maybe you say may not, yeah. And it's like, what story we tell ourselves mm. based on the experience yeah. is what we're going to actually project and think is true. Yeah, in its perspective too, right? No question. Like two people see the same thing and they tell two different stories about it. And that story creates a belief, creates behavior, creates an entire lifetime. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's, I think, why some of us are hesitant to really do the work, that internal work, because it brings up a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, we're far more complex as people than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. <laughs> and it's complex, like, the potential inside of us yeah. is far greater than we give ourselves credit for. I think it's limitless. And I think, you know, the whole quote is, is like, our greatest fear is not that I'm inadequate. My greatest fear is that I'm powerful beyond money. And I think that's what frightens most people. Yeah. That if you have to show as your greatest self and sustain that. Yeah. Right? It feels like work, but it's not. It's an awakening. It's natural. It's flow. Yeah. It's actually ease. To live in your greatness is ease. It's not easy, but it's ease. It's a flow. Right, water flows where there's the least resistance. It finds its way. Yeah. Um, and our purpose, our destiny, our why, our sense of meaning, and all of that is is what it. That's what it's supposed to feel like, like a flow. Right. It doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that we don't face obstacles, and all of us have different ones to face. But at the end of the day, we're able to embrace truly who we are, the very core of who we are, and say with unashamed truth this is who i am this is what i faced and just being vulnerable that vulnerability opens other people up that can truly love us exactly as we are man that's that's not the difficult life yeah man, that's, <laughs> like i said you're like actually yeah <laughs> exactly so um so that's like dealing with the person but then these people Majority of these people work at an uh, organization. They work at a yeah, company. Right. And not only do they work there, they spend majority of their time there. Yeah, sure. So so what kind of like led you to culture good? What you what ha- what have you discovered about how these people that are working <laughs> that are and how they show up inside the organization? I, I find that people are people and humans are humans. And when they go to work they don't check their humanity at the door. Right. Um that we have pain, we have childhood trauma, we carry all that into work. We have joys and successes, we carry all that into work, right? Um, The culture of good came out of me spending, after losing my mother and my father remarrying and getting into church and ministry, so I went into full-time ministry. I started preaching when I was 15. They threw me behind on the platform and I went for it, you know? That's awesome. It It probably wasn't awesome. It was probably the most boring thing anybody's ever heard about before, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, it was great to have people to believe mm-hmm. now, now looking back, back to what I was talking about, how much of that was me trying to fit in. Yeah. yeah that's all. That's a therapy session. I don't know if we want to get into that, but I, um, at a young age got married and, uh, had a, ready-made family she had a daughter so i adopted her and we had a daughter together as well and so um all that kicked off when i was 20 years old you know and started a church when i was 23 
and started building that ministry and nonprofit work. And a lot of it was focused on doing good in the world. And what I found is people were giving their evenings and weekends. They weren't getting paid for it. They were volunteering. They were giving back. They were discovering purpose as a part of this faith community. And when I was introduced into the business world and corporate, um, what I saw lacking was that very thing. What I saw lacking was the passion. And more than just drive for a paycheck or for what we define or measure as success in the business world, but really people coming to work and knowing it wasn't just a check the box for a paycheck on a Friday, but it was that sense that what I was doing every day was contributing to a greater good. And that's the only world I knew before I stepped into business. I had known ministry, nonprofit, missional, very much about how are we going to make the world better together collectively. And when I came into business, I didn't know business rules. I didn't know that wasn't a common thing for the organization. So I went in thinking, okay, this business I was going to start working for, uh, which ended up where we started the culture of good. I was like, they have 2000, over 2000 employees at that time in 35 States. Like all I saw them as, as 2000 volunteers going out that we could collectively, what kind of good could 2000 people do? And so that's really where I started with with the culture of good is just asking those wildly curious questions. You know, what is what does culture look like when people come to work every day and know their why? Uh, how passionate can you be in your work if you know that every sale you make goes to contribute to greater good in your local neighborhood, in your community, that it's not just about making money for the business? or driving success of the business. It's about driving the success of the business so that we can do more good in the world. And so it was very philanthropic and giving back and caring. And from that, it was very transformative for those employees early on. And because of that, you know, as you know, Scott Moorhead and I wrote the book, Build a Culture of Good. So, and, and then a system so that other companies can really build their own instance of that very sense of purpose and meaning behind what your employees are doing every day. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Because now you work with companies to kind of instill yeah. uh, the culture of good inside of their organization. Yeah, because Scott's like, okay, what's the secret sauce? So we brought some organizational psychologists in, and they worked for a couple years to really identify what are the key components and the building blocks, and how do we how do we systemize this, right? How do we create a system behind it in a structured process? So we developed a 12-month process, and from that then I can go in and consult with companies and say – it's going to look different, but this, but the actual process is the same. So we help the company identify what is your cause, what's your why, what's we would say that's the soul of their business, and from that, then everything flows from that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's critical. Like some of the work I do with businesses is similar, right? Yeah. Their vision, their mission, their values. Yeah. Um, and really making sure that their mission, their vision, their values aren't aspirational, but they're actually actual. That's it. Yeah. These are not, this is not a list on a wall. No. Yeah. This, this, this is written on the hearts and minds of people and values aren't something that we hope to achieve one day. No. Values are what we are choosing to live now. Name me someone in an organization that has these values. Right. How do they show up at work and, 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 and give an example of that? Exactly. So, so what we did is what we just, what we found in, in building the system uh, of the culture of good, what we found is that you, 
can have values, you can have a mission statement, but if you don't have observable behaviors or things that there's a common agreement that we're able to identify, then we're not truly able to measure whether we're living up to it. So although we start with feeling and belief, eventually we get to behavior, which says observably, like you're saying, show me one person that's living up to it and let's honor them for living up to that value. And this is how they lived up to the value. And this is what we observed and we shared that with, with the community. And now, now we're embedding it into the culture of the business because we understand that this is what's going to be elevated and celebrated. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the quotes that I live by is this notion that the speed of the leader determines the rate of the pack. Mm-hmm. And that inside of organizations, you can't be a five as a CEO or president and have an eight organization. Nah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. But then more importantly, what you um, you know, what, what you kind of communicate and what you focus on is what grows. Sure. So I had ten restaurants and yeah. all different GMs. GMs kind of lead in that restaurant. I'm leading the GMs and they would have different cultures inside the restaurant. Yeah, like, 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 like my microculture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's kind of how it is. And yeah. some GMs would focus on all the negative behaviors. Hey, guys, we got to stop doing this. We got to stop doing this. We got to stop doing this. Right? Yeah. And what will happen is more negative behaviors. Right. Other Good. GMs will pour everybody up. Hey, guess what? Congratulations to him. He did a great job. He made a meal. Kitchen did fantastic last night. 14 minute ticket times. Hey, another great shift, guy. You're doing great. Yeah. You need one more performance like that. Yeah. Great coaching. Yeah. So it's just like using examples as a byproduct. People love to get attaboys in front of people. You you attract bees with honey, man. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing. Like what like we're talking about what we're talking about is engagement, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about con- even more than engagement. I would say we're talking about human connection. Right. And as a leader, because people talk ask me like where where does culture start? Culture it's exactly what you're saying. The health of an organization is is directly impacted and determined by the health of its leadership. So I think culture, I think good business starts with healthy leadership. And I think it starts with leaders. That's why I'm really into the self-leadership component of, of, of life, because if, um, if I'm not mentally and emotionally well as a leader, all of that is going to influence what I'm leading. So if I'm not leading me well, I can't lead my organization well. I can't lead my team well. So it all starts with self-leadership. And that's, I mean, it circles back around to your values, you know? So if you have a GM that values people living up to behaviors, right, in a certain way, whether they're going to focus on the negative or the positive, the outcomes are going to be different because they value something different from those employees. There's something in that leader that decided to go into that style of leadership for whatever reason. And it starts with their own health. Man, that's so great. Um, I have a, a program called The Champion You. Yeah. It talks about, you know, uh, the pillars of your life, right? So there's self-development, there's um, business and career, fitness and health, intimate relationships, social relationships, finances and spirituality. Mm. And what the course does, it walks people through how to be a champion in each of these areas. Right. Because it's like if you're trying to hold up a foundation of a house, yeah. and you think like, oh, six out of seven ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It doesn't work that way. Nah, you don't want your you don't want your brain surgeon to be at a four. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want your brain surgeon to be at an eight. Yeah, no. You so, know? <laughs> so, it's like, so it's 
really <laughs> having people and really, like you said, that self leadership, yeah. those key areas, because so many people think, ah, right, well, business is good, finances is good, but your soul is at one. That's foundational. So I'll tell you a story. When we, when Katar and I uh, bought our first house together, mm -hmm. we went from a rental that we were paying, I think, three eighty five a month for, right. and this is twenty. 24 years ago. So we, we bought this house from some friends and they were very gracious to us, sold us, sold it to us for next to nothing, but we were going to do some remodel stuff. And what we found out is we had the money to do like the siding, the windows, redo the roof. Once we got in the house and started pulling some of the flooring up, we realized that the entire foundation around it, there were areas that were crumbling and the actual, the sides of the walls of the house were starting to bow because of it now we could have which i think a lot of people do in life we could have put a fresh coat of paint on we could have put new windows in and a roof and paint. when you drive by it looks good but right. you don't want to ever walk in the house right. and that's the thing it's easy it's easy to create like what we were talking about enough of a perception of of having it and being it and being a leader and being someone in authority and being a boss. And we throw the paint on and the windows and the roof, but at the end of the day, we really, if we were to really get inside of ourselves into our soul foundationally, there's some crumbling. And and only we know that. And and the the key is to address that as hard as that is. So we had to jack up the house every four feet, jack it up. We had to bring those walls back in and replace replace the entire foundation in the house and then set the house back down. It's a lot of work. It costs a lot. Facing your own truth does the same thing. It's a lot of work. It'll cost you a lot. Your pride, right? Cause you got to face some realities that you just kind of kick to the side. And so, you know, for, for me, it's like that work was so valuable. Cause when you drive by the house now, nice siding, nice roof, nice windows, but I wouldn't mind walking in, you know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't mind living in that space cause it's right. Laying in your bed and not thinking the roof is gonna collapse, brother. I'm telling you, man. I'm like, how are people living in those buildings down in Miami now, yo? I'm like, I could, I could never live in an apartment near the, you know, because what was happening structurally? Mm -hmm. They knew there were issues. They didn't want to, they didn't want to spend the expense to fix those issues. And the, you know, look at the calamity of how many people's lives are lost and families are hurt and the ripple effect of somebody just overlooking cracks in the foundation. Yeah. You just can't overlook the cracks. Man, that's great stuff. Yeah. So if you're an organization and they're looking to get involved with culture of good, is it like, is it like a start time for each organization? Is it evergreen when they can start where they want? Like where, where the organization, how do they kind of sign up? For? Yeah. So we, we have a couple cohorts that start at different times of the year. So we have one that starts in the spring and one that starts in the fall. So we have one coming up in October, right after our candle conference. Oh, sweet. Yep. So, uh, candles, uh, September 29th and 30th. I know we'll get to that, but, uh, about a month after that, we start our next cohort. All right, yeah. Awesome. And so the cohorts are, what we do is we find organizations that want to build a culture of good in their business. So in a, in a very uh, easy way of explaining that, it's a it's a 12-month structure process of doing so. But the end result is engaged employees, engaged customers, which is vital to business, but also engaged community. So it's doing community philanthropic work, meaningful, purposeful work that I was doing before I came into for-profit, right? 
all the nonprofit, the heart of a nonprofit and the soul of a nonprofit in for-profit business. So we run it as a cohort. So we have multiple companies learning from each other, shared knowledge, but I work directly with one champion, what we call a sponsor in every single organization. And we collectively work together to strategize and go through the system together. So it's, it's very much around also building a cool network and community of like-minded people. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so before that, you talked about month before is the, is the candle count. Yeah, man. Yeah. So what, what, what made you create like, uh, this conference? Yeah. So uh, first, I, I coming out of the pandemic, man, mm-hmm. I so I'm an introvert. And I, I kind of like to kind of do my own thing. So part of the pandemic was nice for me because I can just kind of be on an island. Right, right. Coming out of the pandemic, I was done with the island life. I was like, I need to get together with some people, with some people that just are like-minded. They care about leadership. They care about culture. They care about people at the end of the day. And I wanted to gather a group of people together, not to get a bunch of experts, which you're going to be one of those experts on stage. So uh, I'm really excited to have you a part of it. But what I don't want is just experts coming in and saying, I'm the expert on stage. Listen to me, do what I say. I I want to create a conversation. I want to create a conversation that leads to two days of fascinating ideas around culture and leadership that we can then uh, create a, a system together as a whole group that then we can share with the world afterwards and say, collectively, we came up with this idea on how to really, um, really take our leadership and culture to a whole nother level. So candle is like, we, we need to light a candle, man. So candle stands for C-A-N-D-L, culture and leadership. So it's all focused on aspects of leading ourselves well so we can lead the culture and the teams and organizations well around us. Wow, so, yeah. so who's the market for it? Is it the leadership? Their leadership teams is it just a CEO. Like who, who you think should attend? definitely not the CEO. I'm looking for leadership teams. Right. I, I want teams of leaders, department heads, middle management. Um, there'll be executives there as well uh, because all of us need to lead ourselves well, right? Um, so, but I really want teams within organizations to come and say we want to take our leadership and culture to another level those within organizations or within, you know, they can, they can be self-employed as well within their communities are saying, I want to make a greater impact in two places, the workplace and the world. I want to make the workplace and the world better, you know? And I believe that we can make the world better by making the workplace better. I I really believe that a thousand percent. No question. It was um, uh, a stat on like uh, diversity inclusion. And they talked about, you know, um, how schools could make them better, right? It wasn't enough schools. Yeah. How churches could make them better. The most diverse, it was the most uh, probably uh, separated place. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. On Sunday Absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So Everybody like, goes to their own churches. You know, business, yeah. right? so like Segregation. Yeah. was the only place that could really merge the gap of like making this world a better, more inclusive, more like cultural good type of spot because yeah. that's where mm. majority is people. People spend majority of their time. Is, is that what? Well, the other thing is, there's there were being a pastor and being in church. There were a lot of limitations. Even though I started my own church, there were limitations not in terms of how much we could love people and show yeah. grace and really care for people. 
the limitation was people's perception of what we were doing within the church was loving people too much. Mm -hmm. When I came into business, nobody questioned whether somebody was what religion they were, uh, what, you know, sexual orientation they were. It all, all of that didn't matter in the business space in terms of what I was involved in, in building culture. Uh, but within the church, there was always, always questions, you know, around like, are, are we allowed to, to, you know, accept everybody in like, of course, like our church was just accepting everybody, you know? Um, and what I found stepping into the business world was complete freedom to be able to, um, to care for people really well and to see transformation in people's lives that I, that maybe I didn't see fully within the space of church, the freedom to be able to do that. I, I know that business and successful, profitable business can be a great catalyst for good and a great force for good in the world. The key is how do we, how do we execute on that? How do we implement that? We, we agree in philosophy and theory. Everybody does. Yeah, sure. Business can make a difference in the world. Like nobody, some people might disagree with that, but uh, for the most part, yeah, that's, that's agreeable. The question is how, so we know, we know what, what we do as a business, um, getting to why we do it, you know, it's back to your system you were sharing earlier. You know, you start with like your history, right. like what, what does that look like? Why did the business begin in the first place? What need were you wanting to meet? What problem were you wanting to solve? Like what difference were, were the founders, you know, this could be third, fourth generation in a business potentially. Um, and, and, but why did it start and getting back through our history of, of why, is important. So we know what we do every day. Maybe we can get to why. Hopefully we can bring that, you know, through our system and through what you, your work that you do for sure, you get to your why, how, right. And that's, and that's the system that you've created on how to, how to really implement. And, and once you have a system in place and that's really what evolved within the culture of good. So we wrote that book, then we built that system now we were like, okay, we want to do this to replicate this work in other organizations, right? And that is that is the how part is is what's missing a lot of times within culture work. You know, it's the step-by-step -step organization of it in the system. And how does that align with the strategic intent and core competencies of the business? And where is their alignment? And those are all those missing components. A lot of companies are like, well, we'll just give culture to HR. Yeah, for sure. What does that even mean? Give culture to HR. Culture impacts everything in your business. Yeah. You can't outsource culture. No, you can't. There, that's just that's just not how it works. <laughs> Here's your team. We don't talk about culture. HR needs talks about yeah, it. Yeah, culture is not a program. Culture is not an initiative. Culture literally is your DNA. Yeah. Um, and it is the essence of who you are, whether that's you as an individual or as a system, as a group, as an organization, it, culture is your essence, right? It's, it's, it's how you maneuver in the world. It's, it's how most people within an organization feel, believe, and behave most of the time. Yeah. Feel, believe, and behave. It's not just about behavior. It's not like if we can get everybody to behave a certain way, we'll have a good culture. That's not what culture is. It's feeling first. From feeling comes belief, comes behavior, but it's how collective the collective around that is is what builds it. So yeah, that's great. So uh, one more time, what what are the dates of that conference? Yeah, so and where can they sign up? Yeah, so Candle Conference is on candlecon.com. Okay. 
right? Uh, so that's C-A-N-D-L-C-O-N.com. CandleCon is happening on September 29th and 30th, right here in Indy, in Fishers, Indiana. So we have our new facility we moved into, um, and we have a whole area for a conference. And I walked into that conference room when we were looking at the building and doing remodel. I'm like, oh, we got to have a conference. I mean, that was the spot. I've been talking about it in my head for a long time, but I was like, I got to get a building. I got to get this. And then it was like the universe was like, all right, you got a building. You got the space. What are you waiting on now? You know, sometimes it's like you just need that extra like, okay, now it makes sense. And then all of a sudden it made sense. So we're finishing up the remodel on the building. So that's exciting because for people that are coming to the conference will be the first like they'll see the, our, our new facility and it's it's just going to be really cool. But uh, yeah, September 29th and 30th, man, just awesome. two days of just jam packed full of um, really solid content that's livable. Like that's what I mean by creating. I love, I love the hack. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? Like I used to just be inspiration, inspiration, inspiration all day long. And people would hire me to come speak and be like, just get on stage and inspire us. I'm like, good. And then and then all of a sudden I started being asked a different question. We know you're real inspiring, but we'd really like the how. Like we want people to walk away with steps, implementable steps that don't take them out of their work that can be crafted into what they do every single day, but it's transformative, yeah. you know? And I'm excited to have you a part of it yeah, because I'm your excited. leadership stuff is sick, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. I think anytime, I'm the same way as a speaker, you get up and you, you know, the speakers of the past, you yell, you scream, you motivate, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you leave and that's it. Yeah. And then people are just like, that was great while I was there, but when I go home, I forgot what you said. I want this to be a conversation. I want it to be intimate. Yeah. No. I, I, this this conference is not a normal all right we got i mean we do have speakers for sure that are gonna that are going to help the conversation and the narrative move forward the overall narrative is a collective understanding of what we're sharing together so even after this after you're done speaking instead of just hey we got q a with gary right bracket we're gonna do q a with the crowd we're gonna start a conversation in the crowd and capture fascinating ideas because you've been in a, you've been in a crowd before and you've heard a speaker talk and you've talked to your friend and you heard something completely different than they did. Well, we need to capture those ideas. So we're going to capture ideas from the audience. I, I get I'm getting chills thinking about I, I really do. I think it's just going to be a really intimate, cool experience in a in a ton of fun, man. I, I mean, you're a fun dude. I'm, I mean, everybody that's coming is like, let's have some fun together. So we're going to we're going to have some cool stuff happening, too. So September uh, 29th and 30th. 29th and 30th. Fishes in the Candle.com. C-O-N. Candlecon.com. Candlecon.com. Yeah, yeah. I, somebody already had Candle.com. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, who had that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last question. Yeah. The name of the podcast is Successfully Clues. Obviously, you dropped a lot of bombs, a lot of clues for us. But if you have one clue to kind of lead, um, like, what would you say to someone on the fence of, like, coming to CandleCon, someone who's like, I don't know, maybe I should, but is this worth my time? Like, what kind of clue would you kind of share with them that kind of make them, like, get over the hump and kind of be a, be a part of that workshop? Yeah, what I, what I can say is that um, I spent seven years of the last seven years really um, 
thinking about my entire life and what what um, worked and what didn't work, what was healthy, what was unhealthy, how I was leading myself during seasons of my life, what I wasn't. And, and from from that thought process and th- from working through that, um, what CandleCon is really going to allow is for uh, those that are attending to be able to capture all of the wisdom from the collective, which I think is something that is lost in business because we're not connecting as well with each other. So we're not listening to one another. And so there's a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. CandleCon is going to be a lot of listening. It's going to be a lot of sharing, but it's also going to be a collective group. Um, so, so CandleCon's for those that want to take their leadership and culture to another level that believe that if they can lead themselves really well, they can lead their organizations well. And so in coming off of CandleCon, uh, they're going to have a few things. They're going to have a network of like-minded people that love people really well. Right. And so it's not just like, okay, I need more friends. I need to go to CandleCon, but a, a true network of like-minded people supporting and, and, and so that's a huge one. The second thing, like we talked about, like how the, how, like, let's get to implementable ideas. Let's get to an, let's get to the space. Where we're not just talking about philosophy and theories behind things. We're talking about like real practical steps and takeaways. So that's, that's another key. And the third is you get to spend time with Ryan and Gary. I mean, I don't know what else yeah. in the, <laughs> I should have started with that. <laughs> no, but I, I would say it this way. We're not, I'm not bringing people in because they can draw a crowd. Um, if anybody knows anything about building conferences, you build conferences and you do so by just trying to draw a crowd, you know, right. and we're not doing that. Like I'm, we're friends and I know you and, and that's why you're a part of it. And um, I have a good friend, George Rogers from Atlanta, Georgia, Um, has just a great, great, great human being and loves leadership. I'm like, come share your ideas. You know, Uh, the last thing I want to do is create another conference with a bunch of like professional speakers that get up on stage and like show how good of a speaker they are. Um, I want it to be. I want it to be inspirational with takeaways, but I also want it to be very close and intimate. And I want just reality and vulnerability from the stage. And I think that's going to open up for us to have some really vulnerable conversations within the entire group and, and really show the support that we need for one another, man. Man, it's exciting stuff, dude. Nah, it is. It is. Well, I'm excited to be there. Yeah. Obviously thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. And um, you should be there too. So um, you heard that date, uh, 29th and 30th and 30th, um, <laughs> definitely sign up today, get your ticket and share, tag someone in this video that you think should also be at that event. Obviously, it's going to be a great time if you're trying to increase uh, your culture inside your organization. This is a must attend event. And thank you for attending this podcast. Uh, I'll try to bring you guests on here and they give you different point of views. And today, if you haven't learned about the power mm. of of discovering who you are and living your truth. Um, <laughs> That's it, man. Rewind this, listen to it again, and definitely know that your life is all that matters. Everyone else is extra. Continue to like yourself, continue to love yourself, and I'll see you on the next episode of Success Leaders.
I hope you were able to take some valuable insights from this week's chat. Feel free to reach out to me on social media with clues you gained or questions you need answers to. You can find my pages at GaryBracket.com. Remember, it is up to you to make the most out of your opportunities to reach success. Personally, I live this life with an abundance mindset. And deep down, I hope we all make it.